we've been entrusted with something even beyond prosperity. We've been entrusted with Christ himself as he sends us out so that others can know this God who transforms all of our lives. This is To the Ends of the Earth podcast. Welcome back to To the Ends of the Earth podcast. I'm Joey Gordy and I'm Baron Muga. And on this podcast, we wrestle with the question, what is it going to take to complete the Great Commission in, in our generation? And so, Baron, as we start this episode, just a little background, then I have a question for you. I, I'm thinking through the background. Both of us right now are on the continent of Africa, both in Nairobi right now. Uh, and we see over and over, you know, I, I want to say like fly-by-night type church operations, but people setting up churches it's almost like an entrepreneurial business, you know, it, uh, they, they come forward and open a ministry or a church center, and it's prosperity driven. Uh, so people are uh, promised certain things, and they, you know, they can gain a hearing and attendance. So just kind of keeping that framework, we see it here, but we, we see it really all over the world. So the question I asked you earlier, and I think we're going to discuss on this particular podcast uh, or, but really, it's a comment but you, for you to respond to. But uh, to me, the cure for the prosperity gospel is ownership of the Great Commission. What say you, Baron? Hey, Joey, I think that's, that's a very powerful statement. And when I got to thinking about it, I kind of expanded my mindset to the whole idea of whatever we understand about God's Word, whatever our theology is will impact how we engage with the Great Commission. So whether it's your theology, if it's someone's theology being based on, you know, prosperity gospel or someone's understanding of how they get saved or what it means to be saved or their understanding about God's sovereignty versus the responsibility of man, what we understand about scripture really impacts how we engage with the Great Commission. So just beginning, for example, with the prosperity gospel, I think that really would impact somebody's engagement with the Great Commission because the prosperity gospel is really centered on self. It's centered on the individual. It's centered on my benefits. It's centered on my advancement. And so with that mindset, if that is somebody's theological framework, it becomes very difficult to shift that into a mindset that really engages the Great Commission in the manner that the scripture speaks of. And so when I look at somebody in a church where prosperity gospel is the mindset, if all they're hearing is how God is there to make their life better, God is there to advance them as an individual. On the other hand, somebody else is in the church that is really engaged in the Great Commission. Let me just ask you, Joey, what do you think is the primary difference between somebody with a prosperity gospel theology and somebody who is sold out for the Great Commission? What differentiates the two uh, based on their theological paradigm? Yeah, that's a good question, Baron. And I mean, I really think we, in order to kind of understand that, it would be helpful to go back to the Great Commission and just to make sure we fully grasping what uh, what Jesus is asking of us in the Great Commission. So our audience will know that we are coming from um, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And I'll just read it, and then we can kind of jump from there. Use it as a springboard. But uh, It says from verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. 
I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So now, I mean, that's the framework of the Great Commission, Jesus sending out those that uh, he was commissioning at that time. But we also see that as a standing commission for all believers, all across history, that uh, the gospel is constantly moving from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth through those disciples, through those believers who have the authority to go and make more disciples. So uh, to your question, like the prosperity gospel, I mean, let's be honest, Barrett, it's, it's not a gospel. It's, it's a, if at anything, it's a, it's a fake gospel because uh, the prosperity piece is, it's transactional in that um, there are, are, are things they need to do or, or spirits they need to appease or uh, transactions that need to take place, whether that's to pay homage to a God, if you're a Hindu, a certain God to receive a certain blessing or gift, or whether it's to, you know, appease a certain spirit or, or group of spirits so that harm does not come upon you or your village, right? So you could see this underlying base across the world of, of animistic beliefs, and it's transactional. So we do A, so that B does or does not occur to us or our village. So you take that into like the prosperity, the quote prosperity gospel. Again, not a gospel at all. It's not good news. Uh, and you have people coming saying, if you'll support our ministry, whether that's, you know, financially, usually it's financially, uh, you know, give to this ministry and God will bless you beyond your wildest dreams. You ask anything in his name, he will give you uh, whatever you name, just as long as you are supporting his servants, these pastors or apostles or missionaries, however they brand themselves. And so people are coming to the table with a mixed motive. The motive is not really surrender to Christ. The motive is, what can I get out of this? I need, like, I'm poor. I need food for my my family, I, I need school fees for my kids, I need a car, I need whatever. I need something, so therefore I'm giving whatever it takes so that I can receive more in return, so transactional. So that's the, the prosperity piece. Now, the gospel, the actual gospel, is one of complete surrender. I mean, think about it. If you go back to the Great Commission, Jesus is, is basically telling these people, in, us included, right, of all of us, to leave all of all of what we know, leave it behind, go to the ends of the earth and take the gospel to people we don't even know, sacrificing our livelihood, sacrificing our families, sacrificing uh, everything we have because we have been, in, in fact, we've been entrusted with something even beyond prosperity. We've been entrusted with Christ himself as he sends us out so that others can know this God who transforms all of our lives. So you have the balance. Your original question was, what is the difference? And so one is a transactional, I give a little so I can receive a lot. And the, the, the real gospel is Christ gave everything. And so because of his sacrifice, right, uh, we actually are called to surrender our lives so that we can we can get um, his life living through us to the ends of the earth. So that's kind yeah. of a, an initial look at what, what that is. Let, let me throw it back on you, if I may, unless you have a comment on that. 
I like the way you put it. I think it's really key to understand that, you know, for the person who has understood the gospel, you know, what Christ gave can be nowhere, in no way compared to what we can give. But the minimum we can give is our all, right? The minimum we can give is complete surrender. And that does not begin to even measure to, to what Christ has done. And so I was wondering to myself, how does that complete surrender look like for the person who hasn't sold everything and moved across the world to another country to share the gospel? What does complete surrender look like for that individual? Yeah, I, was, I, I mean, I think really complete surrender is a, it's a heart issue, right? Uh, of right. course, God calls people throughout time and history and location to give up certain things. I mean, just go back to that uh, rich young ruler, right? In the gospels, the one who comes to Jesus. And in fact, he, he had done everything like he loved God. Right. Uh, and he's commended for that. But the one thing that uh, he hadn't was unable to do was to surrender. And the one thing that really cost him everything were his goods, his, his riches and to give those to the poor and he walked away from Jesus. He just couldn't do it. So for some, perhaps it's the, the actual wealth. For others, it could be relationships, Baron. Um, you know, like just thinking through, the Lord may ask us to give up certain relationships in our life so that we can involve ourselves in surrenders, you know, open up more relationships for the sake of the kingdom. Uh, the Lord may ask us to give up jobs, certain jobs that we do that are either not pleasing to him, or perhaps we're in a situation where we're just not able to represent Christ. So the surrender is a heart issue. And I think every individual has to come to the point where, in a sense, you have this idea of a blank check, right? So before the Lord tells you what it is he wants you to give up, you sit there and you write on the piece of paper, like sign your name, and then hand it over to the Lord. And the Lord says, he's the one who fills in the details, right? You've already signed over whatever he asks you. And so I, I think it's that, that heart that, uh, that the Lord is looking for. Uh, and then how it comes out really is different for different people. Uh, well, one thing, just as just we'll ping pong back and forth. What do you think? So back to the original comment, uh, you know, the the cure for the prosperity gospel is ownership of the great commission. So we're kind of working in that, that, that uh, phrase. So let me ask you, what do you think about how people's understanding of how God saves them? Is there a direct correlation between how God saves us and uh, perhaps the responsibility every person has to those around them who are not saved? And, and how that plays out. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's, that's a very good place to continue with because uh, how we understand salvation is really going to color how we walk in our relationship with God. So a lot of times, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, when we communicate the gospel, we may inadvertently give people the impression that it's all about you know, what they can get for free. And the, and, and the gospel is free. Uh, Christ paid the price on the cross. Uh, but there's a sense in which, because of what it costs God, we, we come in there 
with a certain surrender, right? I'm thinking about Luke 9, where Jesus is talking and he says, if anyone wishes to come to me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So that paradigm in the way we communicate the gospel is really important for people to understand that because of the great gift of eternal life that you have received, it requires from you a complete total surrender, a denial of self. And if my understanding of the gospel incorporates that, then how I engage in my relationship with Christ will be to be fully obedient to his commands and his call. It won't be, okay, I already received eternal life. Now I can pick and choose how I live and what I do in terms of what God commands or not. If you really truly understand that God is calling us to a denial of self, then it is more likely that when you encounter the Great Commission in your discipleship, you will understand that is a non-negotiable. It is a command for me to engage with sharing the gospel. I think sometimes if people's understanding of the gospel is that, you know, God came to save them and that is it, then they miss out on the peace that requires a complete surrender like you were talking about earlier, Joey. So I'm not saying people are not saved. I, I think that in our churches, in our discipleship, we should communicate the clear call that we have as believers to deny self, to be completely surrendered. I think of Romans 12:1, where it says, we are to be a living sacrifice. So we want God to do with us whatever he pleases. I guess my point being that we should envision ourselves as denying that which is in us that could desire just comfort and desire just material things. And we should say to ourselves, I'm denying myself, I'm coming to the Lord. And whatever he determines is to be the life that I live, then I'm going to live it the way that he is determined. So I just think when it comes to the doctrine of salvation, how we understand our salvation, we need to do probably a better job in communicating the gospel to let people understand that it's not purely about, you know, you receiving all the benefits and then thereafter just living however you want. It's really about responding with the denial of self. It's really about living with the complete surrender. It's really about being a living sacrifice. Another thing that's key, and you mentioned it, and maybe we can even talk a little bit about that, is when people talk about, okay, God is sovereign, and God is able to do whatever he pleases. And some people, depending on their theology, might say, well, that means that God will do whatever he's going to do, regardless of whatever I do, right? So when you think about election, Joey, you know, there are people who are going to be saved. And somebody might say, well, so it really doesn't matter what I do, right? People who are going to be saved are going to be saved anyway. So maybe how, how would we begin to respond to maybe a theology uh, that tells us that, you know, because God is sovereign, maybe I'm not responsible for the salvation of somebody in the ends of the earth. God is going to save them anyway. Yeah, uh, I mean, you're really digging pretty deep here. Um, and it reminds me, Baron, uh, what we call the father of modern missions. His name is William Carey. So William Carey was a shoe cobbler in Great Britain. And he grew up in this environment in his denomination that uh, some of us would call hyper-Calvinism, but it's exactly what you described. Just People believe that God is all sovereign. So what does he need us for? Human agents. What, what is his, you know, let's not stick our nose in God's business type of attitude. Like if God wants people to be saved, God is powerful enough to save them. He does not need you or me, Baron. So 
that's the environment that the father, we call the father of modern missions, grew up in. But he felt, in fact, he was inspired. I love this story because this is just God in his sovereignty working through a simple shoe cobbler. So he's inspired by uh, Captain Cook, you know, who sails the world, writes the books about what's going on. There's tribes in Australia and in uh, the, the islands in the Pacific. And so he's pouring over these. It's just super interested in what, what's going on and uh, feels convicted, like, who is going to take the gospel to these people? Yeah, we have, like, the British Navy is sending, like, explorers and troops there to colonize, but who is going to share the gospel? And so uh, he, he actually writes a treatise on just a really short book with a really long title on taking the gospel to the natives is basically what it is, and he's chastised for it. Uh, people come to him and say, Son, if God wanted to save those people, he would do it without your help or mine. You know, I mean, just, just really chastising him for this thought. But in William Carey's heart was just looking at the Great Commission and looking at how God chooses to partner with the human agent, right? With, with us, with, with his church throughout time. I mean, go back to the beginning and you, you have a partnership of Adam and Eve. I mean, God is walking through the garden and the cultivation we see of, of, of all things in the garden, that comes about with partnership between God and man. You have partnership with Moses and God, you have Noah and God before that. All the way through, Joshua is partnered in the kingdom, uh, David. And of course, then Jesus standing there with all authority given from God, of course, this is the Great Commission scene, the all authority and what does he do with that authority? He bestows it upon his disciples in a form of partnership. So uh, I, I just to dispel, yes, of course God could do this if he wanted, just like uh, Jesus could have called down the band of angels to rescue him from the cross. Of course he could do that. He is all sovereign. He could do that. Right. But did he choose to do that? No. He chose to invest in us, to partner with us, to co-labor with us, so that the gospel could reach the ends of the earth through us. So whether you, you know, almost doesn't matter in your perspective. Um, there are people at the ends of the earth and they are waiting for the gospel. And God is commissioning each and every one of us. And I hope that's heard today. Like because of what he has done for us, he is asking us to sacrifice everything. And whether that is like sell all your goods and, uh, like William Carey, and go to India, West Bengal, and and start this work, or whether it's, you know, begin sacrificing what you have, giving to this cause, or sacrifice even your, you know, your so-called influence in, in your society so that you can actually be involved in sharing the gospel. Right? God asks us in different stages, but he is asking us to partner with him. And I, I think that's what I gather from this, Baron. How does that sit with you? No, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I'm just thinking right now of Romans 10, 14, where it says, how then can they call on one in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching uh, to them? That is somebody going out and sharing with them. So regardless of whatever one's theology is in terms of God's sovereignty and, and the responsibility of man, I think it's pretty clear in scripture that God has decided 
to use us as the agents through which or through whom the gospel will go to the ends of the earth. And so it's really a matter of obedience. It's really a matter of us saying, this is what God has called us to do. We believe in God's sovereignty. We believe that God can do whatever he wants to do, but he chose to use us to reach the elect. And I like even what one Calvinist said that, you know, since I don't know who the elect are, I'm just going to share the gospel with everybody that I can meet. So uh, I think regardless of whether you're Calvinist or not, I think all of us uh, will clearly agree, as we have seen in history, that God wants to use us to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel. And so it's a matter of obedience. It is a matter of allowing ourselves to be engaged with what he has decided to be the means through which the gospel will be reached. And so I think our understanding of biblical truths, our understanding of biblical doctrine can be impacting our engagement with the Great Commission. Some of the hindrances could be how we understand the Bible. Some of the hindrances could be how we understand God, how we understand salvation, how we understand our part in it. And I think understanding how those are hindrances can help us to unpack those things that are becoming hindrances to the Great Commission. And then beyond that, Joey, and maybe just a quick comment on this, we said when we are talking about people's theology, right, we are not just talking about, you know, head knowledge, right? And I'm sure we'll be able to talk about this maybe in an episode, but just as a quick comment before time, because I know time is about to be up. You know, when we're talking about people having right theology, right doctrine, right understanding of scripture, are we just talking about filling people with, with, with more information in their heads? How does that connect to, to their heart and their hands? Uh, maybe just in a quick minute. Yeah, so the, the, the quick version of that is, as we look at the entire Great Commission passage, you know, it's not just making disciples. Uh, it goes on to explain what that means, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And then, so, and the last verse is, and I am with you even to the end of the age. So you actually see this commission to teach. So first, yes, to teach knowledge. Like we need to teach biblical truths and write biblical truths. The prosperity lie, which is, which is what it is, is not right biblical truth. So that needs to be corrected with knowledge from the actual word of God. So yes, but we also need to teach people to obey, right? So as people come into contact with the knowledge that they hear, they need to put it into practice and start changing their lives. Like you said, so you know, knowledge enters the head, it transforms the heart, and then it be- we become obedient as, we, as it begins to take over the way we show actions through our hands and, and our lives. So the head, heart, hands is a really good analogy. But uh, there's also the last piece of that, and we can close with this, but uh, there's a promise there right at the end. Like, we're not alone in this. The promise is that he is with us always. Like, so yes, we are commissioned to make disciples and yes, we are to teach people to obey, but we are never left alone. Christ is always with us wherever we go uh, in this mission. And he is with our disciples. Like that promise continues generationally as we make disciples and send them to make disciples to, to the ends of the earth. So uh, maybe we'll close just kind of with a question. We, we always ask the question, like, what's it going to take? Like, we'll go back to, our, we wrestle with what's it going to take to engage uh, the world or, or complete the Great Commission in our generation? But specifically off of this episode, what is it going to take for uh, so-called prosperity churches around us or even people who are leaning that way, interested in that, 
to understand what the gospel is all about and the sacrifice and surrender that Christ is calling every believer, every disciple to. I don't know if you have a comment and then close us out. Yeah, I think many things that we'll continue talking about, but I think one of them that we're keying on in this particular episode is it's going to take us going back to a correct understanding of the Bible, a correct understanding of our doctrine, a correct understanding of biblical truth. In other words, our theology must be centered on scripture and led by the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, even in our discipleship, then now we'll see that our orthodoxy will lead to correct orthopraxy, which is just a fancy way of saying uh, how we live will be keyed upon what we believe. And if we believe right, then I believe that, you know, there's a good chance that we'll end up living right. So, uh, and, and, and that jump, you know, sometimes is curtailed by different things. But I think that uh, if we begin by ensuring that the theology in our churches is correct, then as we disciple, we can take that and say, well, let us be obedient to this truth in, in line with the Great Commission. And then we'll see people, you know, availing themselves to take the gospel to the ends of the earth without any limitations, because they'll be understanding what their salvation means. They'll be understanding what their responsibility is. And they'll understand that, for example, the prosperity gospel is indeed a lie and is not the true gospel. So I think just for this episode, we're saying we need to ensure it's going to take ensuring that our theology is biblical, centered on God's word, and guided uh, with an understanding uh, that is rooted in the Holy Spirit's leadings. Maybe we close with a word of prayer, and then we can let people get on back to their days. Yeah, I would just say, don't forget to visit us at the African Center for Global Mission on Facebook uh, and interact with us. We've had a few people interact, so we'd love to interact with you if you have any questions or comments, or you just want to reach out and uh, have a conversation. I'll close in prayer. Let's pray, um, and then you can offer a Twitter handle, okay? Lord, we thank you that uh, we have an opportunity to uh, meet and discuss these things. Lord, uh, we pray that we would have right theology and right practice. Uh, Lord, we also pray that um, those who are caught up in the prosperity lie, whether they are propagating it or they are just following this lie, Lord, we ask that uh, you would intervene and that they could hear the true gospel and the call to sacrifice all things to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel, uh, even starting where they are. Lord, uh, we pray that that would happen. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 So great to have us on this Zoom chat. Sorry for some of those hiccups we're getting with some lag time. I just wanted to mention that we have a Twitter handle, ACGM, Africa Center for Global Missions. So look us up and we'd love to hear from you. 